Welcome to another episode of Successfully Live. I'm Adam O'Donnell, the co-founder of Successfully. Today, I'm super excited to be here with Nicole Paradise. Hello. Thank you, Nicole, so much. You're a busy gal. You got podcasts with Gainsight, Helping Sales Radio. I know you keynote uh, different conferences and then uh, also being involved in TEDx. too. I love espresso. Espresso keeps me moving. Amen to espresso. That's, That's awesome. Right. Well, I just want to dive right into it. I mean, so today we're talking about why is the customer absent from the company? Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I feel like it's like that terrible 90s or 2000s movie, like, dude, where's my car? I have this thing like, dude, where's my customer? And the way that I've been thinking about it is working here in Silicon Valley, you kind of get to know people in your social group and you get to know businesses that you used to work with. And so the aggregate of that combined with the podcasts that we listen to and the same conferences that we're at, I've just noticed a, an absence of talking about the client, like very basic client listening is just not in our vernacular. And while I can appreciate um, the need to make money, and, and I'll put out there, I work for an $11 billion company, right? I'm, I'm one of 56,000 employees whose primary objective is to maximize shareholder value. So that's not lost on me. However, it's not mutually exclusive. You can be a profitable company and still be client-centric. And it's just caught my attention in the last couple of years that we spend so much time talking about company success, our churn, our ARR, our MRR. And that seems to be what we talk about at our conferences and our podcast. And I'm not hearing anyone really talk about what the value to our clients of the products and services that we're selling, right? What was the pain point that they originally had that they paid us money for? What are y'all doing that you can share to, to change that at ADP? And what I think is the most important, which we just held for ADP a couple of weeks ago, which is our client advisory board. It's taking your detractor clients, your passive clients and your promoter clients and putting them in a room, nine to 13 clients in a room for a day and a half, really talking about their experience with you. Them talking about what were the pain points that they had for which they bought your product or service and how are you doing? And, and us being able to show a product roadmap that says, here are the prototypes that we're thinking about would that work in your business? Because I think the other fallacy is we're all paid by these products and services, but we're not using them all day. Those clients are using them all day. And there's this abject loss, it seems to me, in customer success to actually talk to the customer. And so I, I feel like this one woman champion sometimes that's saying, dude, where's the customer? So this client advisory board that you do, like that fires me up. It's not rocket science. Like we've heard of this before. How or what, could you kind of give us some details about what you're doing and anything that's like particularly innovative? I mean, I, I assume, are you, is it an offsite that everyone comes to? Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the strategy around that. Sure. So I have had client advisory boards at every company I've worked at um, in one form or another. Um, and to get really tactical for a moment, the structure of it and then how you execute on it. So the structure of it is it needs to be small enough to where the clients in the room, even if they're with their competitors, feel comfortable to share with you what they're experiencing and what their friction points are. And so it's broken out between um, some might be a, a UX lab where they're actually moving through your product and you're starting to observe how they're experiencing what they want to do with their day, what they bought your product or service for, and how that's just not working. Um, being able to spend time with them for them to be able to articulate 
here are the new trends that I'm experiencing in my business and there's not a product out there that can solve for it. Getting sort of that retroactive and yet forward-thinking view at the same time, that's the benefit of that magic nine to 13 clients in the room because they still feel like they can lean in and share without you know, some large round table with 30, 40 people listening to them. And I think it's, it's deeply, deeply important and uh, why we're not spending more time just talking to our clients to really understand their experiences is, is, is a huge opportunity, I think, for customer success. And, and I'll say, we're, we as an industry, we're maturing, right? We're, depending on how you measure it, some say our title of customer success has been there five years, some say seven, sometime, some say three. But the reality is, is on the maturity curve, as, as, as you would measure it, we're still uh, an emerging field. And so I understand that right now we're just trying to survive. We're just trying to create products and services that are interesting for clients. But I'd like to press pause and, and, and kind of give a call to action to everyone out there that says, ask your clients what they're experiencing because they're going to give you a wealth of knowledge that you're not thinking about because you don't use the product and service every day. They do. I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one because we all know the Steve Jobs, like don't ask your customers. We know Henry Ford, if you ask the customer what they wanted, yeah. they want a faster horse. How does that kind of play into what you're thinking? Yeah, you've hit a nerve, uh, a tender spot for me because I've I've had this conversation and uh, I actually just had the opportunity last week to, to keynote um, you know, it's $46 billion company outside of ADP. It was a separate engagement. And um, one of the things that they were struggling with is that very notion. So there's that, there's that quote, right, if from Henry Ford, if I had asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Um, a couple things on that. One, he, he never said that. Uh, that is folklore. Um, two, uh, in 1909, what he did say was the other sort of famous quip from him, which I'll paraphrase, you can have whatever color car you want as long as it's black. And, and while those sound very quippy, there were financial ramifications for having that disposition. So uh, by 1920, Ford had 66% of the market share. Um, by 1920. By 1925, General Motors had come out with something at the time that was revolutionary. This is what, 80, 90 years ago, uh, which was market segmentation. They essentially understood the market and engineered the products and services back. And within five years, remember 1920, 66% market share. By 1925, 15% market share. And so this idea that our clients don't know what they want. Perhaps they don't know to call it a car, but I guarantee you they're the first to know that a horse needs a roof. And it's our job to extract how they're experiencing products and services and put a vernacular to that, whether that's called a car, whether that's called a faster horse, that doesn't matter. One of the other areas I've been thinking about in relationship to asking customers is we, at the risk of sounding too forceful, we have this patronizing way in customer success of dealing with our clients. It's, we, we know what's best because we know how to measure our alphabet soup of ARR, MRR, ACV, LTV, churn, all of that. And there is this sort of patronizing way of us thinking that we know what's best. And so we hide behind that and we don't engage with our clients and we don't invite them to client advisory boards and we don't ask them. And, and I sometimes wonder how much more profitable each of our businesses would be if we just took the time to embrace what rejection would feel like when a client looks you in the eye and says, 
this sucks, but I really need your product. How much less would we be talking about churn because we would stop asking what we need to do to reduce churn and we would start asking why do we have churn? Why? Because we don't know what our customers think. Our strategy is hope. Can I get some like practical examples? If I'm a CS leader, like, okay, I got this. Like client advisory board, awesome. Can you give us like examples of how to get that started, how to run it, like anything else so we can like really get this in? Like if I just wanted to take one step in the right direction, what would that tactical thing be? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I want people taking these steps. So step one would be to identify clients that you think would want to participate. And by want to participate, you've got that magic nine to 13 window, right? Quantity nine to 13. Um, And by want, we really should have a divide between folks that are detractors and folks that are promoters because um, in order to not just have a room full of people that adore us and thus not give us the feedback that we need for products and services, we really need a spectrum. We need to lean into the fear of having a client in the room that is not fond of us, not fond of our products. We need to lean into that so that we can really extract um, what those friction points are and how we deliver value in a different way. So step one is identifying the list. I guess step two would be ask, right? Go ask clients if they would be willing to participate in an, in an advisory board. Because I think that clients bought your product or your service to deliver a certain level of value. They want it to work well. And some of those clients are going to tell you that you are the bee's knees. And some of those clients are going to say, you just don't understand how I do my job. And we need to be able to lean into that discomfort by inviting them. So that's step two. Step three, circle a date on the calendar and just go towards it. Step three is have that kickoff call, the initial client advisory board call. It doesn't have to be the in-person one, which is typically once a year, but most client advisory boards are either every other month or once a quarter. And getting that same group of nine to 13 clients on the phone uh, for a client advisory board that leads up to the culmination of that once a year or twice a year in person, where the company, the vendor, as it were, pays for them to fly out, pays their services, pays for everything. So it becomes this effortless experience for them to be able to advise you on your products and services. Those would be the top three steps that I would recommend to take action immediately. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, just, can you tell me like with getting those nine to 13, how do you, do you skew towards unhappy or happy? Cause we have enough data to know these NPS scores are good, are good or not good. I, I would just be curious, like how you don't get to, we're just focusing on the people who hate us. Like that could have a lot of bad implications or just focusing on the people who love us. I'm curious if you have any from your experience on that. Yeah. I traditionally have a kind of a 33 split. I try and have 33% detractors, 33% passives, which are that seven to eight on the 11 point scale of zero to 10. Um, and then 33% in that nine to 10 that said that they would promote us. <clears throat> now folks listening to this will be the first to say, I'm not putting 66% of passives and detractors in a room with my promoters. And I would say that if what you need to do to get step one off the ground is to just hold a client advisory board, then sure, pick your top clients that are all promoters to at least start something and move past that that fear of feedback. Um, But best practices is to have that 33 split across because Um, some of the toughest feedback that we've gotten in our careers has been what has catapulted us to that next level of expertise. It's the same for your brands. 
the same three products and services. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so are these calls, are these webinars, are these in person? Can you give us anything on that? Yeah, best practice is that um, every other month to once a quarter, so every two months or every three months, they are calls where you've got those nine to 13 calling in. You would have pre-socialized not only what they are interested in, uh, what you are interested in testing out with them. And so the day of the call, whether that's a one-hour call, a two-hour call, there is no reviewing the agenda. Everyone has the homework that they needed to prepare for, and they're ready to execute on some of those questions. And they could be anything that your company is curious about understanding from your clients. Remember, this is a client advisory board. What do you want to know about them? Do you want to know about a top secret product? Do you want to know about a bug? Do you want to know about a new interface? Do you want to know about none of the above? And you've had an outage for two weeks straight and you just want to hear them out in a way that's not um, market segmentation, but your top clients. Whatever you are looking to solve for, as long as the client knows that it's about them and it's not just about you, that's that cadence of every two to three months. And then once a year, best practices, you bring those clients to one place that's exciting for them. You give them an incentive of it being someplace cool. Um, for us at ADP, we have this fantastic innovation center where we're doing very, very cool things. And it's got that Silicon Valley building feel to it. So we brought all of our clients to Pasadena and, uh, and really started to understand how they were experiencing being in our ecosystem instead of us constantly measuring what it's like for us to try and assert ourselves into their ecosystem. I was going to take you away from ADP for a second and put on that TEDx hat. Sure. And just kind of, because I mean, everyone knows Ted, they do a great job with customer experience um, and have just gone crazy. Is there anything that you've learned from that role that you could apply to customer success? Yes. So I'll say it's, it's embarrassingly obvious. Um, being a volunteer here in San Francisco with Ted has been just a, a privilege for me. And, um, and being able to help shape how these TED events happen and what experience hundreds, if not thousands of attendees are going to have. Um, it, it, it's just, it's an inspiring experience. What's so obvious is the tagline of TED is about ideas worth spreading. And it's occurred to me back to the dude, where's my customer, right? It's occurred to me that if, if we were to have an actual customer sitting in our status meetings, in our board meetings, in our churn meetings, in our metric meetings, how, what idea do we think is worth spreading to those clients? Do we really think spending 95% of our time talking about how to hopefully not lose them, that's the idea worth spreading? It's occurred to me that we just don't spend enough time really thinking about how we delight our clients and how we give them an idea that makes them want to be an evangelist of us. Um, the question I'm most often asked is, how do you convince upper management that customer success is a worthy investment? And I say frequently that it's not in the message, it's in the math. If we are actually quantifying the basic math of how our organizations lend financial value to the company by retaining those clients versus attriting and the cost to go get new clients or new logos. All of that stuff, those are our inner workings. And when you package all of that up, what is the idea worth spreading 
that your customer says, I wouldn't even think about leaving. I get so much value. I came to you because of this friction point with this product or service and you've solved that for me. Why would I go anyplace else? Um, that has been just really the aha that being in the volunteering with the TED organization has taught me. Long and short, like what's the biggest thing you'd like someone to take away who's listening right now? I would hope they take away, go talk to your clients. Because for as much analysis as we do on what clients we might gain, what clients we might not gain, where churn is at, just having a structured conversation with your clients that, are, that is about them and their business needs and what value they're getting from your product instead of how we behave in our QBRs, which is, are you still going to pick us? Do you still want us? Changing away from company success to customer success and actually engaging with your customers would be the most valuable thing I, I hope folks take away from this podcast. That's incredible. Nicole, this has been awesome. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. Another great episode of Successfully Live.